Hey folks, it's Chili House again with a bonus episode of Command and Signal. Throughout the process of making this podcast, I came up against some pushback uh, from those that, I'll, I'll just be honest, are, are more on the conservative side. Some felt that if I'm talking about propaganda and fake news, I should look at Hollywood. Now, personally, I actually don't think that Hollywood fits into the type of propaganda that Commanded Signal was about, foreign agitation using wedge issues to misinform. However, I'm going to follow my own advice, and I'm going to explore this topic. So let's explore it through the lens of the military. Does Hollywood propagandize the military? I asked a veteran and filmmaker, Tyler Mendelson. I mean, just look at look at what the effect that film has on people. It's just like the song over there, which, you know, hyped up the the call to serve during World War One. And it's probably the most effective recruitment tool ever. It's just such a catchy, fun song. You can't stop singing it. Even to this day, people get it stuck in their head. Trump used it as a recruitment thing during uh, one of his campaign speeches. And it's that is transformed into movies and we get movies like top gun which are just so over the top just you know patriotism the patriotic and it's got how many people have joined the military because of that movie you know either the air force or the navy just to to be a fighter pilot and you know do that kind of stuff and there's just countless other topics and branches that have their own movies that people focus on and they say, oh, I want to join because of this. Like, it's hilarious that people joined the Marine Corps because of Full Metal Jacket, even though it's like such an anti-war movie. (laughs) But at the same time, while we can see these palpable effects from movies like Saving Private Ryan or Top Gun, there's another side to it. You know, You want there to be responsibility in Hollywood. You want there to be accountability held for the type of stuff that gets made. And, you know, we want it to be sort of like the news where we want everything to be as honest and, you know, responsible as possible with the subjects that are being depicted. But we don't really get that. And you have to think Hollywood is all about money. That's all they care about. So the decisions they make are solely based on what is going to make them the most dollars. And, you know, being in a capitalistic society, that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, there's no real right or wrong there. I think filmmakers themselves should want to aspire to make their projects as, you know, acceptable and socially responsible as possible to the story they're telling. But we're not always going to get that. And a lot of times the filmmakers want to do that. But the studios are the ones who are changing the way that the films are made. They're demanding certain things get done in a certain way. So it's really the filmmakers being restricted in what they're able to do. That was Tyler Mendelson. He is a Marine veteran and filmmaker. You can catch his short film, The Hun, in the link in the description or on our website, commandandsignal.com. Should also keep an eye out for his next film, Between the White Space, a short film about veteran suicide. So we know that Hollywood can have an impact on things like recruiting and the public perception of war efforts and whatnot. But at the same time, 
we also know that the dollar is the bottom line. And I can't help but think that kind of flies in the face of the idea of propaganda being politically motivated to interact with power. So I decided to reach out to another veteran filmmaker, uh, this one being Joshua DeFore. Joshua DeFore has a master's degree in film from the University of Texas. And I thought, you know, Joshua. Mel. I think, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit offline about about the um, the podcast, you know, some vague generalities about the idea that I'm looking at this with that VVA report that has to do with things like nationalism and propaganda. Um, and while a lot of the the crux of all of this started from a, from a viewpoint that, that uh, foreign actors like Russia are using uh, veteran susceptibility to propaganda to drive a wedge into the population, uh, I think that there's... There could be some pushback that, you know, Hollywood does does similar things. And, um, you know, as somebody who is a vet who went to Afghanistan, who created a military um, film, short film, um, who is a yep. filmmaker, what is your thought process? I guess we'll just start with the pushback that I'm that you see, that you've heard, that you, I'm sure we all see on, yes. on, on the Facebook. I got it. About those mil- those Hollywood yep. elitists. Yep, I uh, it was really disappointing actually because, um, you know, I'm just gonna you know be be straight shooter. I am not a Republican. I never have been, but I respect other people's point of view. And going into funding for this film, you know, I'm aware that a large portion of the veteran community they're Republican, and there's nothing wrong with that. So. You know, the film was mostly funded by people of a, a different political persuasion than me. However, you know, once the film was released, I, I made sure that I didn't politicize it at all. Um, but day one, it screens at the University of Texas, which is a very, Austin's a very liberal city. And there were whispers that the faculty had gotten in a fight, uh, literally, about my film, and some people had felt it was propaganda. Now, all I did was tell the true story and I literally I tried to make sure I didn't have any politics in it um, except maybe a little bit of an anti-war bent but you know what's wrong with that and it really depressed me all summer I was really that the word propaganda really hurt because we had tried very hard not to do that and um, out of respect for those two men and just in general and so all through the summer, we just got rejections after rejections after rejections for these festivals. And what I kind of came to a realization of is that, you know, in 2016, you had a rise of nationalism, a rise of patriotism and all of this. And it was suddenly seen as a negative thing. Right. So suddenly huge support for your country and all of that and supporting the military is seen now as this radical side of our society. And my film is takes place in 2008 where there's a lot of rough language and it wasn't the same culture at all in America. And, you know, there are words that I made sure that we didn't use, but there are other words that we did use and jokes and such that are accurate to that time period. But after 2016, I feel like the film, unfortunately, is seen as a as an expression of the MAGA movement, whereas I feel like if Hillary Clinton had been president, this film would feel like a time capsule, and people could watch it and say, oh, that was 2008. But 
because we're so hyper aware of nationalism and that, you know, hyper patriotism right now, that people look at this film and some unfortunately have said, well, it's an expression of the MAGA movement. And that's been disheartening because I'm a veteran that doesn't put me inside of a box. And I know a lot of the people that support the film would also say that the film is not politicized. And that was really hard to come to terms with um, because I know that I probably made my film about four years too late. Um, And we've done a lot better now. And it was a lesson to learn. It was a hard lesson to learn. Um, You know, you look at American Sniper, you look at these films that were coming out before, you know, before the uh, 2016 election. And I just feel like back then there was a soft spot. There was a bit of leniency to retelling a story about the military and the country would embrace these films with open arms. You know, I'm not a fan of the Herlocker. I'm not a fan of Zero Dark Thirty. And I really don't like American Sniper. But those are all films that were precursors to me taking on this project. We actually, we actually shot on the American Sniper set. So back then, you know, a film like that could come out and no one would say, that's nationalism. That's over patriotism. That's part of that, you know, Trump movement. And yet, if American Sniper came out this year or last year, that's exactly what people would have said about it. And you had heard Tarantino make a comment, even back then, about, you know, how he felt it was a propaganda campaign. Um, And we'll never know, I guess, whether it was Clint Eastwood's intention to, to be that kind of heavy into that area, or if that was the marketing team for the studio. Um, Because I think you look at the veteran community, the military community, people that have left the military, and they're very, you know, committed to that community. And if you're going to market and target them, and unfortunately, you know, use that love of the country and commitment, you know, a lot of these these people in this community, they feel like it's a duty to support a film like that. Like it's it's a duty to to get the story out there and such. So they aren't necessarily making a consumer decision as much as they are. I need to support this film. I need to show my commitment to the, you know, the, the military. So I'm going to support this film. And that's, I think it's unfortunate and it, it's, you know, predatory, but that seems to be how we are at this point. So you can't make films about the military because it's too nationalist and patriotic. And then if you are going to do it, you got to target these communities and prey on the fact that they have love for, you know, the military. So that's what I've learned from all this. <laughs> you know, you, you go to these festivals and you see all these movies that follow this formula of guy yep. goes to war, guy gets PTSD, guy comes back and he's all messed up. And, and, and the PTSD is always going to be some sort of violent alcohol fueled rage fest. Um, and I think that, um, I think there needs to be a bit of a reckoning with how our country, uh, perceives and understands what PTS or PTSD, depending on whatever somebody wants to call it, um, is portrayed in the, in the, in, in the zeitgeist, I guess, because, um, you know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about and it, and it always frustrates me for two reasons. One, that's just PTSD is a completely different animal for every individual person. But two, um, right. you know, we hear about the word, uh, the phrase triggering, you know, you, 
we both know what bro vets are and uh, you know you hear about bro vets talking about uh what are you triggered triggered is from right. ptsd that word is from that vernacular um so i know exactly what you're talking about that formulaic um military movie that just skims at the surface and offers no depth yeah we uh i think um for us it was one of those things where if we were going to make this movie i wanted the authenticity to stand on its own you know you can't go up there and say you're a veteran and then put a movie out that doesn't have the authenticity the community that supported the film and put in the donations expect a certain level of authenticity um but you know something that had crossed my mind back in 2017 i actually uh i was kind of forced in a way to go to the va um there were some things that had happened and they diagnosed me with ptsd um which is a lot of fun by the way when you go through these these tests and and that was the hardest part was you know uh, the movie is about two infantrymen and i kept my mouth shut whenever i had to go to their reunion it was uh it's one nine anyways which they're called the walking dead and they're one of the most famous infantry units and i kept my mouth shut because i'm not in the infantry and they were surprisingly very inviting and and you know they they made me feel like family but i still never piped up about you know ptsd or anything it's not my place um but going into my next film you know that mental health is going to play a huge part in it but you know you you think about okay well we could argue that maybe the reason that they they choose ptsd for short films is the budget you know you it and that was one of the reasons i didn't want to make a military film when i came into the school you need a lot of funding to get uniforms to get the rifles to get the locations i understand that but if you're going to make a film about the military go on google spend a day and you will know how they speak and you will know how the uniforms look like it is not that difficult and that to me was disrespectful because it is not hard to google the correct answers to these things um so on top of the fact that you're misrepresenting someone with ptsd you're also misrepresenting the military as a whole so you know that's just a slap in the face that's kind of how i felt about it do you think that it's it's harmful um when I'm not going to say when I'm going to say if, if, um, you know, cause you might think that movies don't do this. I, I do. Uh, I think that movies can, um, oversimplify, uh, the veteran trope. Uh, I think that there's this trope that is, um, that are veterans, that they are, that they are, uh, damaged, that they are conservative, that they are, um, potentially violent or at the very least, uh, as Melissa Villasenor would call it, white male rage filled. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you think that uh, a? Do you agree with my assessment that there's this trope uh, for the veteran that that exists, and also, um, do you think that it 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 hurts that and and further widens that military civilian divide that we always hear about? Well, it's. It's difficult because you have films like Brothers with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Tobey Maguire that are accurate with it. You've got films out there that do it right, you know. So mixed in there is the people that took the easy way out and just make a film, you know, that use the tropes 
Um, I do think that's a thing. And let's be honest, though, that that applies to all sorts of stereotypes out there. That applies to all sorts of parts of the culture and gender roles, all that stuff. I mean, that that's what's what Hollywood does. Um, but I I do think that I always make this joke because you'll have these movies where these the protagonist needs help. They need help to to fight this whatever it is, and they get. Ooh, an ex-marine who can do everything and he's like leaping over buildings and shooting this stuff and he's trained to do all this stuff and it's like well if you perceive that every marine that's left the military is like a freaking tank that can kill everyone and wants to I, I think that definitely is not good um, but I don't know that I don't know that the average person would look at quote-unquote an ex-marine as as being that way i think it's just a fictionalized trope but um i I think another thing that we haven't really touched on that does i think the the rate of suicide we have in the veteran community is another really great example of it's just there's just so much that i think the public probably doesn't want to know but they do want to support the military, and it's much easier to support the top-level, most generic, superficial, you know what I mean? Like, the the topics at hand that aren't going deep into why these people are this way, why they may be, quote-unquote, damaged. And they definitely don't look at the successful veterans we have, you know, some of whom are in the Fortune 500 as CEOs, you know? So... It's just, I, yeah, and it's, it's gotten worse, like I said, since 2016, because I think the military itself is seen as this face or expression of this nationalistic pride now, which is unfortunate, and it doesn't help that we've had a number of blunders in the last few years related to our missions. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's disheartening. You know, as we mentioned earlier at the top, you know, there's this all started because of the VVA report regarding um, primarily Russians, but other countries, but primarily Russians that are using the um, digital um, digital divide that older people have. And there's a lot of vets that are older and then also the military um, civilian, the veteran civilian divide to drive a wedge and and aim propaganda specifically at veterans. And and that creates a whole host of problems like the conservative non-veteran crowd that, that just takes cues from veterans for no reason. Um, it, it creates mm-hmm. a voting block that is um, aggressive or angry um, and maybe they shouldn't be. But what I think is interesting is, is that we also talked about at the top how there might be pushback from those that are conservative because obviously the point of view I'm talking about the Russians right now, they're, they're using the nominal conservatism of some veterans and there might be pushback that, mm-hmm. that Hollywood does the same thing, but yet I'm getting the impression from you that it, it may exist in Hollywood. You know, you have some films that you could, you could, definitely argue are in a gray area, you know, um, zero dark 30, mm-hmm. I think is in a gray area. American snipers in a gray area. I think one could argue like active valor is just a straight up propaganda flick, but you know, those are far and few between. Was, yeah. And, and a lot of films are gray areas at, at, at worst they're in a gray area. And there's a lot of films that we call propaganda because we, we just disagree with it, but that doesn't make it propaganda. You know, that doesn't qualify right. under a willing, um, 
systematic, deceitful system run by a hegemonic organization to propagate certain views. It's just somebody had a view and we didn't like it. So we called it propaganda. And that's kind of the view, the, the, the thought process I'm getting from you is that you had people saying that to you. And it's like, no, like this was a real speech from a real person about real people that really died in a real situation. This is all real. And it's a compelling story. And why shouldn't we tell real compelling stories? Yeah, it would be interesting to ask Catherine Bigelow, you know, she made the Hurt Locker in Zero Dark Thirty and then Detroit. Um, she clearly has interest in telling, retelling these true events. Um, and I would ask her, like, you know, I'm sure you, you've heard, Catherine, that Zero Dark Thirty is seen as propaganda. How do you feel about it? You know, because I bet you she would say the same thing I'm saying, which is that they were real people that killed Osama bin Laden. These are real people that put their life on the line and I'm just simply telling their story. I'm sure that's what she would say. I mean, we could talk to Terrence Malick about the thin red line. You know, it, it's it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of unfair. But at the same time, I don't want to say, if you, if you, if you, so when films are developed, they come into this, how many quadrants do you check off, right? There are four quadrants. You got men and women, and they're broken up into under 35 and over 35. And you want to hit as many of those quadrants as possible to make as much money as possible. And war films are probably only going to cover two of those quadrants, you know, maybe three, maybe. Depends on what the content is. So if you already know you're losing a quadrant or two, uh, you need to seriously zone in on like who who are these people that are going to see this movie and how do I get them in theater when I was doing advertisements for the 11th order to get uh crowdfunding you know we did that on Facebook we did it through Facebook and you would just see the massive uh disparity like you had people over 45 years old was 70% of the interaction with the advertisements and you look at that and you're like Okie dokie. And those are also the people that have money, you know, usually more than the younger folk. And I'm sure if I'm seeing that, the studios definitely are aware of that and they prey on that. And why wouldn't they? You know, the, there's a famous example, um, you know, after showing Top Gun was in theaters and you would walk out of Top Gun and the Air Force had set up recruitment tables, you know, and that's that's just brilliant but at the same time it's it's horrible and when you have examples like that people are going to be mistrustful of you know the military in general and recruitment in general and these films are going to look be looked at by a certain number of people as you know propaganda but none of that has anything to do with the filmmaker you know the people that tried to make the film probably didn't have those things in mind they're just trying to tell a great story. They're just trying to be authentic and bring something to the screen. It's everyone around that that sniffs the money, that sniffs all of this uh, vulnerability is a great word for it. Because like I said before, I think this community really sees supporting one of those films as a duty and not a consumer decision. And they know that. These marketing firms, the studios, they know that. You know, they know that. And... So it, 
I don't think the filmmaker necessarily goes in with that intent, but if you're going to get the film to, to get some serious box office, that's what you're going to do. And, you know, just the same when I was targeting ads on Facebook, I straight up stopped targeting people under 35 years old because there was no point. And I didn't target women often either because you could see from the stats and the analytics who it was that was supporting this film. And you can even break down by region as well. Um, and no surprise, the states that supported the film, you know, it, it just, it, it is what it is. Um, and if I'm seeing that, I, and beyond a doubt, you know, the, the studios are seeing that too. And well, I'll tell you this, if you're seeing it and the studios are seeing it and you guys, so, you know, you're, you are, you, Josh are working on trying to advertise your film that was, um, meaningful and important. And you're just doing what you got to do to get people to hear about it. But then you've got these marketing mm-hmm. agencies that are doing what they got to do to sell the movie to make money because money is the bottom line for them. But then if we go one step mm-hmm. further on what you were just talking about, and I think that I, I think this is a very reasonable uh, extension. Um, people with a, an political ideological agenda, and I and I think that with the VVA thing, you would say Russian, you know, the Russian government um, that are seeking to. Um, influence a certain sect of people. You know, you just talked about veterans mm-hmm. over 45 were very easy to interact with your ad based on certain things. And um, they were, they were looking for pro-American um, patriotic. Uh, they don't have the strongest, as we know from, from other forms, uh, strongest digital liter- literacy. And so you're coming at it from a very, um, reasonable, normal perspective, but it sounds like what you're describing has been hijacked. And this is what that report came out with, um, by bad actors that are serving to, to increase that wedge. Um, so it's just, it's interesting that you, that you, you saw exactly what they're, um, what they're trying to exploit, uh, just in regular, normal business advertising. You saw it. You saw exactly what they're doing, you know, yeah. without being so nefarious. That was Joshua DeFore. He is a Marine Corps veteran and filmmaker. You can catch his short film, The 11th Order, online. You can also catch a link. You can also catch a link in our description, or you can go to our website, commandandsignal.com. We'll have a link on our website as well. As you heard in my discussion with him, the answer to the question of if Hollywood propagandizes the military is sort of, sometimes, maybe. But the reality as Josh sees it is more often than not, no, it's people putting their own beliefs and opinions into the movies. And really, when we start talking about art as propaganda... We're just really opening up a whole other bag of worms. It can be, but that's like a 10-episode podcast. Till next time.